Benvenidos and welcome to the Platform Latino podcast where we profile, highlight, and bring to the airwaves the successes of our community and those helping us to get us there. I'm your host, Osvaldo Valdez, and I'd like to thank you for joining us and enjoy the show. several years and I've seen him several times performing and he does not disappoint. He has toured and performed at countless venues across the country and I have him here today on the Platform Latino podcast to hear his story and maybe share a few laughs. Welcome Oscar. Oh thank you so much for having me man. By the way his name is Oscar Goyasos. <laughs> yeah. Right? So reigning from Colombia. I was born in Colombia yes. So how did you get to the States? Uh, by airplane. By airplane, really? <laughs> Contrary to popular belief. They, they had those back <laughs> they then. They had those back then. Uh, my family left Colombia in 1986, and uh, we just kind of packed up and moved. I was seven. Seven years and old. We landed in uh, in Plantation, Florida. Beautiful. Another yeah. Floridian here. Yeah, suburban Fort Lauderdale, which is really just suburban Miami, if you ask me. Yeah, that's where, where, where people get tired of Miami. They just start moving north and north and north. Yeah, but they don't know they're actually making Miami bigger. Yeah, exactly. So how was that like when you first moved here? Uh, it was definitely very shocking uh, going from what I usually call a third world experience and then all of a sudden you're in this futuristic place, even in 1986. So 1986 in Colombia was, you know, a lot of older cars, there's a lot of dirt roads. Um, we had a chicken as a pet. <laughs> and then from one day to the next, you know, we're in this uh, very, yeah, futuristic is the only word I can really describe it. Place, which was Miami, really is where we landed. And everything was brand new. The roads were brand new. Cars were brand new. Um, signage, stores I'd never seen. So I felt like we left the 1800s and and got to 1986 in, in the DeLorean, really. The DeLorean. Back to the future. <laughs> and I'm guessing you weren't from Bogota. You were from... No, I was born in Cali. Uh, Cali, okay. Because yeah. I figured the chickens running around is more rural. Yeah, no, there's chickens everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Do you go back often to Cali? We... Uh, it, it's been on and off. There's a couple of years I went maybe three times back to back to back. Mm -hmm. um, but I haven't been back in like maybe... 10 or 15 years i'm due for a trip for sure due for trip. yeah yeah i've been to um cartagena but not i want to hit up medellin and bogota and i guess cali too yeah cartagena friends. is a very um touristy destination yeah i always somehow end up in these places like i went to barcelona and they're like this is the south beach of europe and i'm yeah. like i left florida to go to another one <laughs> yeah so if you go to medellin or if you go to bogota or if you go to cali uh, even in some smaller cities there, they're going to be more of, of what Colombia really is. Cartagena is, mm. but there is, you know, there's beach and there's tourism. And so Definitely. you kind of get lost in that a little bit. Yeah, and what, what was like the first moment when you were here in the States? I guess at seven, I don't know if you remember, like that you're like, okay, I'm an American now. Or I, I, you know, I don't know if there's a particular moment where you're like, I'm an American now. I, I have them all the time. You, I don't think you ever really just fully, you're like, ah, I'm an American, you know? Um, but I do remember maybe a time or two when I was like, when I was seven and, and then maybe being like, what the hell is going on? Because I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I have plenty of those in, in my memory. But the first one was I was in second grade and my teacher didn't speak English and I didn't speak Spanish. Uh, she didn't speak Spanish and I didn't speak English. Well, it's typical in Miami that they might not speak English. So yeah, especially <laughs> that, back then. That could have been very logical. Especially <laughs> back then. Back then, Miami was, you know, mm. like a real U.S. city, which was just mainly Americans and um, a, a couple of immigrants here and there. Mm. But. Uh, but the lady didn't speak Spanish and I didn't speak English and I went up to her and I, I asked her and and my child my seven-year-old child Spanish how I was gonna get home and she kind of just pointed to my name tag which had a color every name tag had a color mm -hmm. so uh, so that's all she did she just pointed to the name tag and I was like okay and then I went back and I was like what the hell does that mean and then I looked around and every kid had a name tag and they're all different colors and but I still didn't understand I went back to her and I was like hey how is it that I'm gonna get home and then she just kind of pointed to my name tag again didn't say anything I sat back down and I was like I don't understand what oh, this lady's wow. saying 
Um, so I went back a third time and I was like, I, I don't un like, I, I don't know what you're mm. saying. She just pointed to my name tag again. And again, I sat down and by that point I was really, really lost and confused and frustrated. And then I went up to her a fourth time and I was like, miss, I have no idea. Like you mm. keep pointing to my name and I have no idea <laughs> what you mean. And she's like, you're on the black bus. You see this, this is black. You're on the black bus. And that's when I realized that every bus had a different color to it. Uh, uh, but by that point, I was already crying and completely like a mess. Yeah. Uh, and then, which was even more confusing because she was like, I'm on the black bus, but we all, we know buses to be just yellow. Yeah. <laughs> so she didn't even take the time to explain like That's the name of the bus. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm like, there's black school buses. There's yellow. There's like, I, I know yellow, but then there's red and there was pink and there yeah. was green. So I was like, where, where are all these rainbow buses? <laughs> Bus. I'd never seen them. So it wasn't until later when, yeah. the, when uh, the class actually, where the day was done, and then I met up with my brother in like this sea of people, and mm. uh, he he was the one that understood how to get home because I had no idea. Because you so, had no English training when you were before, right? No English at all. What did you guys think when your parents said like, "Hey, we're moving to America"? That I don't remember. You don't remember at no, all? No, oh. I, I I'm not quite sure. I don't think there was a sit down talk or anything. I think it was just like, "Hey, come on, we're going somewhere." <laughs> And then it's like, America. <laughs> Bienvenidos. Yeah, you're never going back to Colombia. <laughs> that's, um, that's, that's cool. And then, like, were there any other Latinos in your school? Or did you? Well, when I went you, to you, school. You went straight to Plantation, right? I went straight to Plantation, but I ended up going to Dillard Elementary School, oh, which. Wow. Um, I went Dill to Boyd Anderson. So oh, I'm okay. So, with yeah. Anyway. So, Dillard, Dillard Elementary and Dillard High School are historically black schools in that county but that was the only school in the county that had the the, the ESOL program um, so there was kids from all over you know the bus went out all the way to all sorts of different places in the county and would bring them there so my school was just my particular class was just a bunch of kids from everywhere mainly Puerto Rico Cuba Haiti okay and Venezuela wow. and of course me <laughs> uh, there was a couple of kids from France that I remember, but it was mainly just like the Latin American islands. Did you feel like a bond with the the Puerto Rican and Venezuelans? And um, no, no. I was just wondering if they like gave you beef for being no, Colombian we, I mean, or no, they no. just stuck to their cliques. No, I think at seven years old, everybody's kind of every you know you're still kind of the 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 slate is still clean you know <laughs> <laughs> they don't have the stereotypes there's yet. no stereotypes also i think at 7 for me i was just kind of like what is going on like where am i what's happening you know that type mm -hmm. of thing so i was kind of in my own brain in my own mind trying to figure out things mm -hmm. so i wasn't really like i you, you make friends as just being friends but but it, i didn't really have a, a thought process other than like what the hell is going on you yeah. know what I mean? Trying to figure it out. Yeah, because I remember my grandma telling me when she came from Puerto Rico in the 50s and she was working in some factory and she had like this one other Spanish friend and they wouldn't know how to speak English. So they would go to restaurants and just point at different plates and um, just whatever they wanted. But then one time the lady came, she was like, oh, I learned a word. Sofa is the same in English. Yeah. So they went to the restaurant and they all proud and they're like, soap. Yeah. And the lady's like, we, we don't have soap. Ah. <laughs> like, and then they finally pointed and then they learned the soup and then the soap. But right. I'm sure like you, when you, you come here fresh, you're just like, what's going on? And just trying to yeah. really understand your environment. Yeah, for sure. My grandfather, he didn't speak English. Uh, he was my step grandfather, if you will. Mm -hmm. But the guy that I consider my grandfather, my grandmother remarried, but they were living here. That's who we were living with. And then whenever we would go grocery shopping, he would pay with a check, but he didn't understand. So he would look at the cash register, mm. look at the numbers, and then he had a sheet of those numbers written out. Oh, wow. So then he would look. The lady would be like 88.52. <laughs> and he wouldn't understand that, but he would look at, this, at the screen, and then he would look down on his sheet and then just copy oh, the letters. Yeah. Right. It's smart. You got to learn the like, little tools to kind of yeah, assist I mean, you. <laughs> yeah. If not, you don't, you don't survive. Yeah. Yeah, so I was just cu curious. Um, you have a great school, and you went there for for college, right? But in between, you said middle school was a blur, yeah. and and then um, yeah, the rest so, of elementary school. Of course. Yeah, yeah. So high school, I was kind of a bad student up front, and then my my parents were like, "If you keep bringing these grades, we're gonna murder you." 
Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother was like a straight A student, so um, and I was the complete opposite. I mean, I didn't bring home Fs, but it was like C's and D's. Mm-hmm. So my parents told me I had to straighten out. And uh, in tenth grade, they meet they make you meet with an advisor, and we met. I met with uh, a lady named Miss Levine, and she was like, I had no idea about college. I knew nothing. I j- I had no idea past tomorrow. So the whole college thing, it wasn't like I was planning for college. It was just kind of like, I guess that's what people are doing. So mm-hmm. I guess that's what I have to do. So we meet in 10th grade and the lady goes, where do you want to go to school? And I had no idea what to answer her. I kid you not. But I was in her office and she had posters from every school. And I remember looking up and the first poster I saw was University of Florida. It was a tower. And I was like, I want to go there. And then she was like, oh, well, you I'm, I'm not quite sure if that's going to work out. So uh, do you have any other ideas? And I was like, no, not really. And she's like, why don't you just work on getting your grades up and then we'll put you into a community college. And uh, I, I took that as a challenge. I was like, oh, this lady thinks I can't get in here. Mm-hmm. So I started kind of to shape up a little bit with that and my parents daily threats of <laughs> murdering me for bad grades. Um, I ended up, you know getting better grades and, and kind of turning it around. And I ended up getting into UF. I got into UF under a special program, okay. which admitted a lot of minorities. It was called um, the Oasis program, mm-hmm. where they took kids that were minorities, uh, and they had bad starts but good finishes, basically, if they showed promise. Uh, so I was in a program of maybe about 200. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, that's where I met... Uh, one of my good friends, Rosie Rodriguez. I don't know if you know her, but mm-hmm. uh, she was in that program as well, and and that's how. Yeah, I was I was very uh, thankful and very blessed to be able to get that opportunity because they were basically like, "Look, we don't really believe in you, but we're gonna give you a chance because you have you have the demographic that we need." So I took it and ran with it. And you it. picked it up a little bit <laughs> yeah, in high yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but that's good that because it showed that you like not that. There was any doubt, but sometimes you just need a little bit of a challenge and kind of like, yeah, somebody doubting you, and you, and I don't know if that's a Latino thing, but yeah. sometimes it it, it is a dri- like it does drive you when you find a challenge. You're like, okay, well this person doesn't let me prove them wrong. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Funny you mentioned that. I just thought about my mom, has always struggled with weight. Okay. She's always been like, sign me up for the gym, buy me gym shoes, teach me exercises, uh, but she never does anything, mm-hmm. right? So a couple of years ago, every year we hear the same request from my mom. And a couple of years ago, my mom said to my brother, uh, can you, can you, you know, get these workout videos for me? Or can you sign me up for this gym or something like that? And my brother, I'm sure he wasn't being malicious. He was just being honest. He was just like, why? You're not going to do it anyways. And my mom was like, what? And she hadn't done it before. She'd do mm. it for like a week or two and then fall off. This lady took that as a challenge, and she went hardcore, and she lost, like, 30 pounds. Wow. And then when people were like, you know, how'd you do this? She's like, well, my son doubted me, so I had to prove him wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so you're right. Yeah, we get a challenge, and we're like, it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's funny because, like, when I went to – so I, I, I grew up in Western Florida, which is pretty, like, middle class, upper right class. Right next to Plantation, baby. Right next to Plantation, and I um, actually grew up in Sunrise, but – I remember when I was deciding in high schools, I didn't get into the Catholic school, but then I got in. Which one was that? St. Thomas? St. Thomas. Right. Because I didn't play sports. Um, sorry, a little resentment. But <laughs> but then I went to the IB program at Boyd Anderson, mm-hmm. and I remember a teacher saying, like, are you sure? That's a very hard program, Ozzy. And I'm like, hey, I got in, so there is some promise. And it kind of pushed me, like, yeah. what, what the hell is wrong with this That's lady? That's a far Did trip it? from Weston to BA. Yeah, yeah, we would have to wake up at like five in the morning, catch yeah. the bus, and then yeah, it's a far trip. All, all over there, but it was. I met like some countless friends that I'm still friends to, with it to this day, and that's awesome. So yeah, I don't doubt it, but it, it's just a little bit of doubt, you know, or like a little bit. of, eh, I don't know if that's right for you. Yeah, it's like okay. It takes the right person to tell you the thing you can't do because I could have told my mom you can't do it. I'm sure mm. other people could have told my mom, but it took her other son to be like you can't do that. And it took my guidance counselor to be like, I don't know if you can get in there. I'm like, all right, you would just wait and see. Yeah. And yeah, I got in under a special program, but I got in. But the got day in. I got that letter, oh, I my dad will never forget because I was right next to him. I 
ran up and down our apartment building. And then the next day, when I went to school, I went to Miss Levine's office and I was like, hey, Miss Levine, do you remember three years ago you told me I'd never get into UF? And she's like, I don't remember saying that. And I was like, well, I do. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> here, and I showed her the letter and she was really happy and excited. But I was just like, don't ever tell anyone they can't do anything. <laughs> Yeah, but if she never told you that. Who knows? You might you're right. Have. You're right. Maybe we should go around telling people they can't do things <laughs> to get a little bit more out of society. <laughs> a little outside of the PC norm. You know? Yeah, yeah. You can't handle the truth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so what'd you what'd you major? What'd you end up majoring in? I went in wanted to be a dentist. Okay. Yeah, and uh, that very quickly changed after I was paired up with a um, a, a dentist at the dental college. And I saw what they were doing, and it was just horrifying to me. You know, I can see blood, I can see saliva, but when yeah. they mix, I just ran out of that office. <laughs> uh, so I had that thought for a little bit, and then I had the thought of, you know, being a teacher, being a lawyer, which are the very standard things mm -hmm. that you only really know of. Uh, and then I ended up graduating with a degree in public relations. I really wanted to work for the Miami Dolphins and their community oh. relations department. They could use it right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, they could but, definitely. I actually, yeah, so that was the goal. That was but, the goal yeah. was like, all right, I'm going to work in, in PR for a sports team. And, and being that the Dolphins are my favorite team and they're like a five-minute drive from, my, from, from where I grew up, I was like, mm -hmm. that's it. I'm going to come here. I'm going to get this degree. I'm going to move back home. I'm going to work for the Dolphins and my life's going to be amazing. <laughs> That didn't happen. <laughs> I was going to say you checked off a few things. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and then so how did you like so now you you are a comedian. But like wh where did that come into the mix? Well, um, I'll tell you exactly when it happened. Um, so in putting together cover letters and resumes for the Miami Dolphins, I also went along the East Coast and did the same for every team. So New York Giants, New York Jets, Washington Redskins, Baltimore Ravens, Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I was too far away. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, any team in, in this mid-Atlantic region, I sent a resume and a cover letter to. And while that day, I'll never forget, while I was putting that stuff together in the very primitive internet, I went to NBC.com to see who was on Late Night with Conan O'Brien as a guest because I mm -hmm. used to watch him religiously. And then I started clicking around Conan O'Brien's website and it said we take interns on, on, the, on the frequently asked questions. It was like, yes, we do accept interns. Submit your cover letter and resume to this email address. So I was like, who cares? I'm just, I got it ready. I might as well mm -hmm. just send it. And the, the, the one that I didn't care about the most is the, the only one who called me. So I got a phone call from them, and they were like, hey, we'd love to interview you. Let's do it over the phone because you live in, in Florida. And I was like, no, I want to go up there. And they're like, no, you, we could just do it over the phone. They're like, no, I'll be up there. You tell me when, and I'm there. And they're like, okay. So I, <laughs> I bought a, a ticket. Uh, I woke up in Gainesville really early, put my suit on, drove down to Orlando, hopped on a 6 a.m. flight. I was in Midtown Manhattan by 9.30, and I was sitting down in an interview at 10 o'clock in the morning, and the lady goes, I really don't have any questions for you because you already got the job. And I was <laughs> like, how? And she's like, well, what you've done to get here shows me that you are driven and, and you're responsible and you know what it takes, so the job is yours. Wow. So I was like, okay. <laughs> was yeah. it because you didn't hear back from the, the other NFL teams, or is it just like this could be a promising thing? No, I... I didn't hear from the other teams and it wasn't because I was like, Oh, well, I didn't hear from them. So I'll do this. Mm -hmm. I, I was just really excited to get that interview and to have an opportunity to just to go to New York city. Was this your first, was that your first time in New York? No, I'd been before my cousin okay. lives in suburban New Jersey. So we'd, we'd been plenty of times. A as, lot of New Yorkers kids. wouldn't say that's New York, but what's that? <laughs> New Jersey. Jersey yeah. Nah, it's like 40 minutes out. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, now I'm learning all the little, like, all subtleties. All the lingo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> That's like in Chicago. If you don't live in Chicago, you live in the suburbs. Yeah. And when suburbanites, they're like, oh, I'm in Chicago. They're like, no, you don't. <laughs> yeah. It's like us. I live yeah. in Miami. Where'd you grow up? Fort Lauderdale. That's not Miami, but Fort mm -hmm. Lauderdale's Miami to everybody else. Yeah, outside of Florida, if yeah. you say Fort Lauderdale, they'll be like, they give you a confused look. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. 30 minutes north of Miami. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, and then, so you got the Conan... I got the gig. I got the gig. It was a six-month uh, spring 2001 gig. Oh, wow. 
Um, it was definitely a learning experience. It was definitely different. I, I, I was put in an environment that I had no idea about, which was comedy and entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I left. I left with... That's when I tried comedy for the very first time ever. I was just like, well, I'm going to give this a shot. Um, didn't work out so well, but I, I kept at it. And I went back to UF and I organized some shows. And, and that's kind of how the comedian thing came about. Oh, so you're still at UF finishing your degree. Yeah, I had one okay. semester. I took a semester off. Oh. Um, to do the internship. I needed a break from school because I was going through a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's no way I can tell my parents, hey, I'm just going to like take a semester off. Mm-hmm. Parents don't understand that. No. You know, they'll, they'll be like, you're basically quitting to them. Um, so I was like, I got to finagle a break while still have it be attached to school. And so mm-hmm. when this thing popped up, I was like, oh, this is Was perfect. it a paid internship? No. Oh, wow. So that- No, I got three credits. <laughs> so I basically took a semester off for three credits. But it was yeah. the experience that changed my life. No, definitely. Yeah. What was like the highlight of the experience being up here for that uh, six months? Well, I was the musical intern. So they hire about 20, 25 interns a semester. And I'd say out of the, if there's 25, 20 of them are general interns. So they just sit in an office waiting for the phone to ring. And the phone ring, uh, the phone call will be something to the effect of like, go get me a smoothie. Uh-huh. Right? So you just, you're just like a go-getter. But I was the musical department intern, so I actually got to be in the studio. I actually got to, I dealt with the celebrities. Um, I did important things. Mm -hmm. Um, I did the least important things, but I did more important things than just sitting there waiting for a phone call. So the highlight would be, I mean, I met met so many celebrities. Um, Snoop Dogg was probably the one that I was just like, oh my God, (laughs) because he happened to be a musical guest when I was Mm -hmm. there, and I was his host. And oh. he had just performed at UF the week before. Oh, and you saw him there too? No, uh, I was already here. Oh, you're here now, I was, yeah. Yeah, I was already in New York doing the internship. So when I saw that on the calendar, I was like, oh, I'm going to miss Snoop Dogg in Gainesville. And then he ends up being my my guest, basically, uh, a week later. So when we were in the elevator, I was like, hey, did you just perform at UF? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I go to school there. And he goes, oh, are you a gator? <laughs> and that was my bonding moment with Snoop Dogg, yeah. He's a, he, he was really cool and easy he was to so talk to. awesome yeah he was oh. really cool he also brought like 900 million people oh he had yeah. a big posse yeah he had a big entourage yeah, <laughs> yeah I saw him I think on one, one like concert where they bring a bunch of guests I think it was the anger management tour like back in Fort Lauderdale and like Snoop Dogg came on and there was like 20 people on stage yeah. with him <laughs> he's he's a really big persona like he's a big he's a big deal mm-hmm. we just think of him as a rapper but like he's he's a really big deal he's very influential he's got a lot of money obviously and mm. you know i feel he, he helps a lot of people come he does yeah he does he, he's a very nice guy he he puts money into the community into kids mm-hmm. um but i just know him from you know ain't nothing but a g thing video <laughs> you know what i mean and then seeing him like yeah five or six years later yeah so 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 you finish your internship was that like a, a springboard and you're like okay forget pr I, i'm gonna do comedy or did you have other focuses well it was mainly more i want to live in new york okay right and whatever happens in new york make it will happen. happen so this uh so i finished my internship may of 2001 and i was like that's it i got two more semesters i'm gonna bang out summer b and I'm going to bang out fall. And then as soon as the fall's over, I'm coming right back to New York City. Uh, so I finished summer and I finished uh, the spring. I mean, the, the, uh, the fall semester. But uh, that's when September 11th happened. Mm-hmm. September 11th, 2001. And then I was like, well, I don't know if I, if I could move to New York City three months after that. I mean, New York City was hurting. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of a scary place to be. It was the first crazy thing that had happened in, in a, quite a while so i was like i don't i don't think i'm i'm ready to go up there i don't think the city's ready to take me mm-hmm. um and then i ended up getting a job in south florida um which lasted for about three years okay. uh the, you i'm sure you remember it it was called comedy traffic school okay yeah when you get a, a speeding ticket and yeah. you can go to a comedy show and yeah so you can go to this traffic class. school yeah so you can go to this class and get the points taken off and instead of having it some you know, be like some old retired police officer just lecturing about traffic laws and they hire idiots like me to <laughs> give the curriculum and make it a little bit more palatable, you know? <laughs> so I did that for three years and that really helped in my comedy development. I met a lot of great people. I was put in contact with a lot of great people. 
I got to perform a lot more. Mm. I got to kind of sharpen up the skills and. Because it was hosted in an improv, right? It or was hosted some... at different comedy clubs, okay. yeah. Mm. And if not, we would just rent out a room uh, mm. at a hotel and pack it out with people who gotten traffic tickets. Yeah. So, so that, but you had that stage presence. And yeah, it definitely helped a lot. I got the gig because I was at a comedy show, and then my boss, he happened to be there too. Uh, he wasn't my boss, obviously, then, mm -hmm. but he came up to me afterwards, and he was like, hey, you're really funny. You want a job? And I was like, okay, what do I have to do? He's like, do the same thing you did, but talk about traffic and do it for four hours. I was like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I could do that. And I got my certification really quickly, and <laughs> and it was off to the did races. Did they give you – you had to write your own sketches? No, they give you the curriculum. Oh. So you, you couldn't write your own jokes about stuff? Oh, no, yeah, you could. Uh -huh. That was That was what made our company different. So, okay. like – you know, somebody with no people skills or just a lecture just goes line by line, right? Mm -hmm. Line by line, very boring. But I read the material and then I kind of came up with my own funny scenarios after each yeah. situation that mm -hmm. was presented in the curriculum. And and so, yeah, I would, I would make my own jokes. I'd make fun of things. I'd make fun of myself. I'd make fun of drivers. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I made it, you know, I made it fun. But yeah, people would come in angry and people would leave happy. That's always a good result. Yeah. And I remember that I, I've unfortunately I got a few speeding tickets, but those we would, all have. Yeah. Th those would fill up fast. Like you, sometimes you had to wait like a month just yeah. to get one of those. Right. Those traffic schools with the comedy element yeah. because they rather just fill a, like a room with a presentation where you click, 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 read this. And yeah. <laughs> and four hours. And if you if you have a comedian talking to you for four hours, it goes by a little quicker. Mm -hmm. But if you just have some boring lecture, yeah. those four hours are eternal. Exactly. They're just eternal. <laughs> it was so, horrible. Yeah. So you said before then how you're found for that job. You were, it was um you're performing at little shows or was it at UF in Gainesville or no? Was this was I had graduated. Okay. And I, so I moved back home to Plantation and I was working at the place that I worked in high school, which was uh, Romano's Macaroni Grill. Okay. Remember that place? Yeah. It's Italian. It's on University, right? University in Broward. So mm -hmm. I worked there. I worked there for like a month, maybe a month and a half. Okay. Um, and that's when kind of you know it all happened. So oh. I, just, I was able to leave Macaroni Grill and go work there full time. You got a promotion. Yeah, I got a, I got a life promotion. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd probably still be there. Put the degree to work. <laughs> yeah. That's all. so. So you were there for a few years, and then I was there for three years, and then and then the legislature changed. So it went from you can't take this class online to you can take this class online. Okay. So then our attendance just like dropped mm. significantly. So we went from, from having 80, 100 people in class, which was like having 80 or 100 people at a comedy show, to having like three or four, oh. you know? Yeah. Because so nobody, wanted to, nobody yeah. wanted to go to these things. So mm -hmm. I did, it doesn't matter who was teaching the class. So like, I'm not going to go wherever. So once that happened, the, the business kind of folded. And, and then to me, the way I look at it was it was life being like, hey, you said you wanted to move to New York City. It's mm -hmm. calling you. The signs. But I still didn't pay attention to it. I was like, all right, so what am I going to do? And what does every young person do when they don't know what to do? They go travel. Yeah. So I bought a plane ticket to Costa Rica, Puerto Rico, and Colombia. I was like, I'm, I'm traveling, and then I'm going to figure this out. And while I was in Colombia... Um, was that the first country on your three-country trip? or No. Um, we were supposed to go to Costa Rica. Okay. But then my buddy had a, a situation... And we had to cancel that trip. Um, so then the next trip was Colombia. So I went oh, to okay. Colombia by myself, and I was hanging out there with some family. And everything happens for a reason. I'm a big believer. I'm in Colombia. I'm just hanging out, mm -hmm. you know, worry-free. And then my cousin's like, hey, your cousin from New Jersey's on the phone. And I was like, I was like, wow, okay. I didn't even know they knew each other, but sure. So then I get on the phone. I'm in Cali, Colombia. And my cousin in Jersey's on the phone, and she's like, "Hey, an apartment opened up in the building that, you know, our uncle owns. Do you do you want the apartment?" And I was like, uh, "Well, I'm in Colombia. Can I call you back on this?" And she was like, "No, you need to tell me by the uh, end of this phone call whether the apartment is yours or not, because if not, it goes to somebody else." And I was like, "Oh man, um, well." And she's like, "You've always wanted to live here." And I was like, "I've never seen it. What what do you think?" She's like, "You've always wanted to live here. It's in the family." take the apartment trust mm. me like there's no better situation for you 
So I was like, I'll take the apartment. She's like, great, I'll tell him and just call us when you come back. And I hung up the phone. And I remember when as soon as I hung up the phone, I was like, what did I just do? <laughs> I just committed to an apartment in New York City that I've never seen. I have no savings. I have nothing. Mm-hmm. So I'm just basically flying back to live, to live in New York. So I flew back in, in February. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was January. I flew back in January. So I flew Columbia, Miami, Miami, uh, New York. I looked at the apartment that I would committed to. Uh, I was like, okay. I flew back to Fort Lauderdale and I was going to drive my little Nissan Altima with like mm-hmm. three belongings and just drive up. But then my uncle was like, why don't you borrow my van and then you can take your bed and maybe a couple more things. So I was like, okay, cool. So I, I took his van, drove up to New York City, unloaded, drove back down to South Florida oh, wow. <laughs> and then flew and left my car in South Florida. Mm. So it was kind of a whirlwind. Yeah. Um, and pretty fast too. This is probably like within a few weeks. Within a few weeks. It all kind of yeah. just happened very quickly. Um, I think the most jarring thing was it was February by the time I oh, actually yeah, moved. It's cold. <laughs> so I'm in Columbia, then I'm in Miami and then I'm in just like six inches of snow and a completely different lifestyle, a completely different way of things i mean it was it, it could not have been any more different i mean it could mm. have if i moved to like india or something or yeah. china but <laughs> it was definitely like you know a good 180 you mm. know everything in south florida is modern and and up to date and then i moved into this building that's like 150 years old nothing yeah. has an elevator i'm <laughs> taking a bus i'm taking a train so it was yeah that was probably uh the biggest thing that i was just like wow this is it's really different here yeah, it hit me when I went. So I moved to New York a year ago almost. You're a baby. I'm a, I'm a baby New Yorker. I can't even say New Yorker. No, not yet. <laughs> I'll take, no, not yet. <laughs> you need nine more years, buddy. <laughs> but like I landed here and then that afternoon I was like, oh, there's an apartment on an open house. Let me go check it out with my friends. It was a six floor walk up and it was like a closet. Like if you put a mattress in there, that was basically all. You, and I'm like, what did I get myself into? Like, yeah, it's, it's, and this uh, is like double the, well, like not double, but. Like five hundred dollars more than my two bedroom apartment was in Florida. I'm like, what? What am I doing? <laughs> yeah, I still it, it ask myself what I'm doing. Yeah. Every so often, I'll be in a situation where like, what am I doing right now? That's one thing with New York, it, like punches you. And, yeah. And it, remember <laughs> the doubter, the doubter. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like New York is always doubting mm. not only us as transplants, but everybody. New York yeah. doubts everybody, and everybody's like, all right, you just wait and see, New York. And, and it watches you too. If yeah. you ever forget or get too comfortable, it's like oh, yeah. stomach gut oh, punch. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, New York will. New York is like Mike Tyson, and you are little little Joe. Yeah, like, <laughs> I love Mike Tyson's quote. Like yeah. everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and New York exactly. will constantly punch you yeah. in the face. So. <laughs> There's, there's rarely a time you can punch back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just gotta, you know, you just gotta kind of like bob yeah. and weave out of the way. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's everywhere on the, the sidewalk, subway, wherever you. <laughs> no everywhere, everywhere. Uh, so, so you moved here, little belongings, hit the ground running, basically. Yeah. And then, um, I'm guessing you didn't like show up at the, at the Apollo and be like, I'm ready to do a comedy show. No, no, no. But I did show up to a couple places and I'm like, I'm awesome in Miami. That, you know, what do I got to do here? And they're like, you're awesome in Miami. Great. Go back to Miami. Um, I remember, you know, because I was getting booked at the improv in South Florida, mm. West Palm, Fort Lauderdale, Miami. I was getting I was one of the go to guys. And then you come here and everyone's talented here. Everyone's talented. Even 15 years, 18 years into this business, I still work with people that I'm just like, wow. That guy's awesome. I have no business being around this guy because that's how amazing he is. But when I first showed up, I, I, you know, all chest out, like, I'm awesome in Miami. And this guy's like, great, go hand out these flyers for three hours and then we'll give you five, five minutes on stage, which is called barking. You go to Times mm-hmm. Square and you just try to get people to come in. And um, I didn't know a lot. Those, are those, those still comedians out there passing out those flyers? Some of them are. Oh. Some of them are. Some of them are paid. Uh, some of them are just comics trying to get on. And I remember I was like, I'm not doing that. And he's like, well, if you don't do that, you're not going to get up here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. So I had to, like, go to another comedy club where I knew some people. But to, to say that I hit the ground running, no. <laughs> um, I, I hit the ground, and I was like, all right, which, in which direction do I go? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's get, the main thing is get a job, pay your rent, and then focus on your art. 
mm. which is kind of what I've what I've been able to do for the last 15 or so years here. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. It's successful because, you know, I'm sure you've seen a lot of co comedians like burn out. And Come and go. Kinda, yeah. yeah. My buddy Adrian from Miami, he moved up. I, a bunch of us from Miami moved up around kind of the same time. Mm -hmm. And then my buddy Adrian, very funny guy, he lives in Denver now, but he came up from Miami to New York and he had a rough time. He couldn't find a job. Um, he felt like he was being price gouged at his apartment, which he was, but it was still somewhat normal, right? Mm -hmm. So the apartment that he lived in was a two bedroom and he had to pay, he had to pay $500. So we all thought, I'm like, that's normal. That's cheap, mm -hmm. you know, um, until one day he found the lease agreement and the entire apartment was 700. So the guy whose name was on the apartment was charging Adrian five and he was paying two. And Adrian thought that was like a scam, which it is. But you're still I'm, getting a good deal. You're <laughs> still getting a great deal. But that pissed him off. Mm -hmm. In addition to him not being able to get a job. And then he got a job at Staples. Oh, and when you come in at Staples, you have to work the door. You have to greet people at the door mm -hmm. um, before you move up anywhere. And he's like, all I want to do is be a cashier, but like you have to wait until someone quits or gets fired. <laughs> so he's sitting there. He's like, dude, I'm a grown, I'm a grown man. And they're like, you got to work the door. And you're just sitting there greeting people. He was like, it's the most, it took the soul out of me. Mm -hmm. uh, and he worked it for like a month. And that, along with the crappy living situation that he thought he had, he's like, I hate this place. I'm leaving. So, so New York's like, not for everybody. Yeah, it's not, no. even, not even the, the career, your comedian, your yeah. comic um, career. It's everything. Like, yeah, it's, it's life. So he's like, mm -hmm. I'm out. And then he moved back to Miami. And then, you know, now he lives in Denver. Very happy. Yeah. Definitely humble, humbling experience. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's been back. He's like, I don't think I ever want to go back to that city. <laughs> he doesn't even, <laughs> if there's a stop, a layover, no. Yeah. I'll just think. He's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> he had a, that bad of an experience. Uh, so, uh, like, it, so, like, you, you're doing comedy. You found a job here. You, you're getting on your feet, um, just kind of getting established, like you mentioned. Um, who, like, what, explain your comedy, like, did you have a role model, like, a comedic role model, or somebody idol you looked up to? Um, I mean, yes and no. Uh, as an immigrant, you don't, you know, as an American, you, you're kind of introduced to these type of things mm -hmm. just by living here and being friends with people, and, you know, the environment kind of introduces you to that. But as, as an immigrant, uh, I didn't watch any... American comedy. I mean, we watched Univision and Telemundo until I was like 15. Mm -hmm. So like I'd never click on channels outside of that. Um, but I was drawn to funny things like in Living Color. I watched Johnny Carson. I would watch Johnny Carson and not even understand what they were saying. But I just thought it was so funny. Um, Arsenio Hall. Those mm -hmm. are the three main shows that I remember watching. A little older, I got into Conan and, and Jay Leno and David Letterman. So I was always attracted to making people laugh but to be like this one guy mm -hmm. i didn't really have that one guy um i just kind of was like they make people laugh i can make people laugh this is the avenue and St stand up was my avenue gotcha yeah and it's more like stand up than like a comedy show like a comedic sitcom and stuff you you like more the stand-up stuff. Would you ever consider doing the sitcom? Oh, well, yeah. I think every everybody, every comedian's goal is to obviously be bigger and to have your own show. And, mm -hmm. you know, Seinfeld's an example. Ray Romano's an example. Um, although the times have changed now. So back then it was that. Mm -hmm. But now, have you heard of the Carmichael show? Yeah. Okay. So you have? I have. I haven't seen it, but I've okay. heard of it. Yeah. So he's... Uh, Carmichael's a, uh, a comedian and uh, he got his own show but now there's so many things on the internet and YouTube and, um, and so many channels you know before it was like channel 2, 4 and 6 mm. you know growing up as kids that's all we had and then now there's like channel 3,452 so there's definitely more <laughs> that's avenues that's a basic path yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not even premium <laughs> so you have so many options now that um, it's a little tougher to you can maybe get a, a something but it's mm. not going to be you know and even the people who get that spot there's so much competition now that it's i think the carmichael show lasted lasted two or three seasons and then it was pulled wow. no i ask because i you know there are latino comedians out there like have you ever encountered met emulated or admired any like 
Um, no, not really. I mean, I've worked with some, but to, I'm actually I'm interested. Who who are the Hispanic Latino comedians that you have heard of that are big names? Well, of course, is George Lopez. He's obviously number one. And then I'm trying to think. There's um Paul Rodriguez. He's, he's kind of older. He's older. Right. Um, Freddie Prince. Okay. I, I've been, I found him recently. Okay. I know he he died a, a long time before I was born, but he he's pretty funny. But yeah, I guess there there's a limited. Yeah, there's nobody. I mean, John Leguizamo is another oh, John one, Leguizamo, but he's, he's more of like a one man type of Broadway. Mm. He still incorporates comedy, so there isn't many. Um, there isn't many, and to be like, oh, I, do I have a, a favorite? No, and because Paul Rodriguez and um, and George Lopez, they're they're Mexican, mm. and they just talk about being Mexican, and and so all growing up, whenever I would hear this stuff, is Mexican this and Mexican that and Mexican 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 Mexican, and as a Colombian, you're like, I'm not even Mexican. Mm. So then you go to school, and then people would think you're Mexican. So whenever people think we're Mexican. I think that's part of it. That's mm-hmm. that's how it's you know portrayed to America. So, I I had a little resentment there on that end. I'm like, I'm there's more to Latin America than just Mexico. Plus, Definitely. also we don't use certain words. We don't we don't use guay. We don't use chingon. We don't mm-hmm. use you know all those type yeah, of words. No. <laughs> uh, so when people would say those things to me, I'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. But then I'd learn. I was like, oh okay, they think I'm Mexican. I'm mm-hmm. not Mexican. Yeah, no, I've always dealt with that, like, because when I, when I went to college, I went to University of Illinois. Right. And it's very, me- like, the Latinos are majority, maybe, like, 90% Mexican. I go 95. Yeah, 8% <laughs> Puerto Rican, yeah. and then the rest is, is a, a mix of everything. But people see your Latino or see a Latino name, and they're like, oh, you're Mexican? Yeah. No, I'm not. There, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's other countries that speak so Spanish. There's so many other countries, yeah. And that, that's why I'm kind of going with this podcast. Not, not so much the, the separation of Mexican, Colombian, Puerto Rican, but just kind of why aren't there more well-known Latin, you know, are you the Latin prince of comedy, you know? like Right. Or, you, know? you know, I think, and this is a... And this, this is your point of view, it's th- not... Well, yeah, it's yeah. my point of view, but this is also like a, a, a whole different discussion on its own. But um, we live in America, and America is very black and white. Mm-hmm. It's either you're white or you're black. But if you look at it how we look at it, which we, we come from countries. So, yeah, we may be categorized as Hispanic or Latino, but I'm actually Colombian, mm-hmm. right? And you're actually Puerto Rican, right? So we have that, which is, we're not, no one's calling us brown. We, we are called brown, but mm-hmm. it's, not like, it's not like black or white. So if you're black, you're either black American or maybe if you're like African, you know, people are like, I'm African, but no one's really like, oh, I'm from Kenya or mm-hmm. like I'm from Zimbabwe. Right. So I think that's the division. We live in a very black and white terminology world. And then we don't associate with the black or white. We're we're more with the country. Right. So I'm Colombian. And I think that's that's one of the issues there where uh, where we don't like to be lumped into a group. Mm-hmm. And maybe somewhat like if, if I called you Cuban or Dominican. Well, I'm, I'm part Cuban, but Dominican, uh, it would be like, no, no. Exactly. <laughs> slow the slow your roll. So if, if, if someone's like, oh, you're Ecuadorian. No, no like, offense whoa, to whoa, Dominicans. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, but that, it, that's the reality. It's your identity. Yeah, yeah, it's like, no, that's, you know. So we're lumped in this group, but within within the group that we're lumped in, we don't we don't feel like we should be in that group. I don't know mm-hmm. if this makes any sense. No, no, it's making total sense because right. because I felt the same way. You know, like you you don't want to be called Mexican or you you, you know you're proud of you you. Yeah, apply and a Mexican them, doesn't want to be called Peruvian. Exactly. You know? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's not, vice it versa. Yeah, it's, it's not vice like versa. we have hatred towards one country or the yeah. other. We it's do, just, we do, we actually do. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Venezuela and Colombia right now. But <laughs> right, like, right. No, they want to be us. Trust me, they want to be us. <laughs> but but I heard back in the 70s and 80s, a lot of Colombians immigrated to Venezuela. They did, yeah. They so did. now it's like kind of reciprocal, and they're yeah. like, hey, and remember that's a few decades Col- ago? That, yeah, that's why Colombia is accepting so many of them, <laughs> mm-hmm. because they did it for us back yeah. in the back But there's in the always 70s. a limit, you know? <laughs> right, yeah. And, but, um, yeah, you, you know, we all have our own identities, and we look to it. So there's not, I guess, is John Leguizamo, is he Colombian he's, or Puerto Rican? He's Colombian, but he was he was raised in Puerto Rico. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah so he's, he's, he's a, a hybrid. Born in, born, yeah, but uh, yeah, we so we look for the these people that are kind of like us, but we can't look at a George Lopez. We can find some of his comedy fu- funny, but it's not like a Colombian or Cuban Puerto Rican family. We don't have those same jokes. We don't have some of those same stories. Yeah. But 
but it's important that we find those and we find those identities. Yeah. But as a, a Colombian comic, have you experienced, like, when you go to a show, like, oh, we already have a Mexican comic or we already have a Latin comic, do, are you, do you ever feel like a token Latino? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, whenever I am the only person in that black and white mm-hmm. show and that, or that black and white circuit, then I am, yeah. So I was in L.A. last week, and on Monday... I did an urban show. Urban show is uh, the the PC terminology for an all black show. Mm-hmm. So the, the the audience was all black. The host was a very popular black guy, and the lineup was all black. And I was the only non black person there. So in that situation, I was the token Latino guy. Mm. And they didn't even know I was Colombian. They didn't care. Yeah. You know, there were one of the guys referenced me afterwards. He's like, "Oh, the Latino kid that was up here before." So. It, you know, I was like, oh, he remembers me, but he didn't remember that I was that I'm actually Colombian. Yeah, and and you bring up uh, that you're a Colombian comic a lot. It's, yep. e- it's even your IG name. Like, yep. Yeah. Colombian. At Colombian comic. At Colombian comic. <laughs> Follow me at Colombian comic. A shout out. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, do you do you feel compelled to bring that out more in your comedy or your story? Um. Compelled, I guess. You know, I don't, it's my story. Mm -hmm. It's who I am. It's what I've lived. So to say I'm compelled, no, not necessarily. I don't have that compelled feeling. I have just that natural feeling Mm. because that's what I, that's what I experienced. That's what I grew up with. That's my story. So sometimes I'll get intimidated. Like a few weeks ago, I went to Iowa. Okay. Iowa, we know is mainly rural and very white. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like, how are these people going to enjoy my Latino immigrant comedy. Um, so I was a little hesitant, you know, I was like, eh, do, what do I have to change? You know, but it, it was awesome. We did, I think three or four shows and the people were cracking up. The people were cracking. I mean, I obviously turned it a little bit, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I think that's in all comedy. You have to cater a little bit and yeah, kind of you read the crowd your like audience. you're mentioning. Yeah. So I was able to, you know, I was able to make them laugh. And it felt great afterwards being like, wow, I went to this place where like nobody knows a Colombian. They barely know any Latinos. And if they do, they're the ones who think, oh, this guy's Mexican and he cuts grass. Mm-hmm. Right. But I love introducing a story of, of something different. And I think the people like hearing something different. So to say compelled, no, it's just part of who I am. Gotcha. And then the last time I saw you perform was at, um, I think it was the East Village, but it was a Colombian comic tour. Right. So this is a new endeavor for you. It's yep. somewhat, you've been performing with these guys and you've known them for a while, but this is, you're kind of doing an organized tour now, right? Yeah. So I met two of them before a while back and then I met two, uh, the two others um, a little it, bit later. It's five of you guys? It's or? five of us. Okay. Yeah. So once that once i performed with all of them i was like hey my mind i was like what if we just kind of all you know made a name and put a tour together or you know organize some shows and to see if we can get uh the 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 colombian culture is very supportive Mm -hmm. um they're extremely proud they're extremely supportive i I, i'm not anything else so i'm not quite sure if the same translates to um other countries but I'll give you an example. The guy who just won the Tour de France mm-hmm. is Colombian. Oh, I didn't even know that. Right. And if you ask any Colombian, they are so proud of that guy. And, and he's like, who pays attention to the Tour de France? Nobody. Mm-hmm. Unless, like, you're into cycling. But if you go on his Instagram and you see his homecoming, I mean, there is thousands of people. And this is, like, in a village. He's from, like, the, a village. I mean, it was it was shocking, um, and of course we put the news on, and then the, the entire news hour was about him. Mm. So they're very supportive. So when I was like, "Oh, okay," if I put this together and I start touring, the people will come because people are interested. They're like, "Oh, this is Colombian. Let me go check it out." Mm. The the little bit of a difficult part is that you have some very Americanized Colombians, and then you have some Colombians that are fresh off the boat. Mm-hmm. We're more towards over here the americanized so you know to try to get everybody to go in if, if i get fresh off the boat people mm-hmm. um they might have a hard time understanding but if i get anybody who's been here a couple of years and just kind of knows the, the american lifestyle mm-hmm. that they, they really like it so yeah no because i grew like in south florida is very like there's a myriad of latin america you know they you know we miami's very cuban but there are 
a lot of Dominicans, a lot of Colombians, Venezuelans. It's like Ellis Island. Exactly. Yep. And it, it just <laughs> Fort, Fort Lauderdale and down, you know, it's all mixed. So I grew up with a lot of Colombian friends and, you know, I have some Casi Primos that are Colombian, Barranquilla, they party right. it up. So, like, I, I related to some of your comedy and there is that mixture. But do you feel like, do you get a different response from Americanized Colombians in in Miami versus the maybe the Colombians that see you here in New York in the tri-state? No, I think I think the result is the same. You know, okay. it's laughter. And, and we the, the name is... Col hilarious Colombian Americans because we are all Colombian and American but it's really an immigrant story because mm -hmm. we're all immigrants except Alex he was born here but he was born <laughs> to immigrant parents but so the, the the more clear theme is some type of immigrant story which which everyone can relate to mm -hmm. everyone can relate to it doesn't matter where you're from and obviously Latin Americans will relate to it a little closer because we share some of the same experiences and values and you know we all get hit with the chancleta and we mm -hmm. all have you know whatever right um but so a, a, somebody who's a chinese american immigrant may they may not be hit with a chancleta actually yeah, if somebody from like iran or iraq comes over if, if you throw a chancleta at them that's the most utter disrespect you can do mm -hmm. right that's why somebody threw a shoe at george bush yeah it's like the most disrespectful thing ever um, which to us, it's like a daily thing <laughs> growing up. Discipline. Right? It's called yeah, discipline. Exactly. Yeah, it's called pay attention to what your mom's saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if someone doesn't relate to that, they will relate to whenever we talk about the language barrier, mm -hmm. you know, because there's, there's that element of our comedy where we talk about, you know, I said this, but my mom understood that. So a Chinese person will will relate to that they might mm -hmm. not necessarily relate to to getting hit with a broom or or a shoe but they'll relate to something else so it is an immigrant story and and outside of that we're american comedians so we talk about other things that are very neutral no there's a nice nice not a spin because it's the truth that that is an immigrant story and everybody has that and if you go back i think i read an article that i think if you look back for for generations, almost everybody in the United States is something like the big majority are immigrants. So yeah. people don't really realize that. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> four great grandfathers, you know, like exactly. they, they came over here and they were first in this country. So yeah, yeah. unless you're a Native American or on the Plymouth, like uh, the Mayflower. Yeah, and even then you. <laughs> yeah, really you were immigrants. Yeah, yeah everybody. Everybody's an immigrant here. Yeah, everybody, so. everybody. So it's a good, and then you you recently started doing comedy shows in Spanish. Yep. Do you, do you speak Spanish fluently? Yep. Or? Is yep. it was it like a difference? Do you have to put different? Well, the funny part is that I avoided it forever. Mm -hmm. People were like, "When are you gonna do it in Spanish?" And I'm like, yeah, "I don't know if I can pull that off in Spanish." And um, I was really intimidated. But somebody asked me, they're like, "Hey, we have a show in Spanish. You want a part of it?" And I was like, "What?" Without even thinking about it, I just was like, "Yes." I threw myself in the fire. I was like, "Yes," because I'm always gonna say no. Mm -hmm. I'm always gonna say no. But I wanted to, and I was like, if, if you say yes and don't even think about it, you put yourself in the situation. And, and going back to what we talked about earlier, I challenged myself. Mm -hmm. That's I what I was, I, was, I was just thinking about that. I was like, if you say yes, then you committed to it and you have to do it. So the first time I did it, I tanked epically. It was horrible. <laughs> but I've tanked so many times in English that it didn't feel terrible. Mm -hmm. I've, I left that place going, oh, you can do it. You mm -hmm. just have to put a little bit more thought behind it. It was like doing homework, you know? Mm -hmm. It was like I'm sure with the timing, everything, all the dynamics. Yeah. The so comedy. it was doing homework. It wasn't just getting up. Getting up was turning in the piece of paper. Right. I had one joke was what which was answering question one. But then it was a 10 question test and I didn't fill out the rest. Mm -hmm. So I tanked because I didn't I didn't prepare the way I was supposed to prepare. But not only did I I felt embarrassed, although it was a very supportive group at that show. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, oh, I can do this and I know I can do it better. So the next couple times I did it I put a lot of thought and effort into it and and I just recently performed in Miami in front of like a crowd that I had no one knew me it was about 150 people in there this is the one like in Homestead no this uh, was at the Miami Improv oh, the okay. day before my show okay so I had my show on a Wednesday and then they have Spanish comedy on Tuesdays gotcha so the guy put me on I did 10 minutes I went first and going first is tough because you bite the bullet hmm. um but I surprisingly made people laugh. My parents were there. I felt really proud to be able to perform my comedy in Spanish in front of my parents. Uh, and, and I was like, okay, you know, there's something there. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good new endeavor. Do you, do you, do you work on new material for, for each set? Or, like, how often? Like, did, did you have to create, like, half a new 
10 minute dialogue or joke? I had to look at every set, at every joke, mm -hmm. and I had to translate it. And then I had to see which words could work, which words couldn't work, which words uh, or like which phrases make sense. Mm. So it wasn't a, it's not like I created brand new stuff. I just, you know, you, you trans like translating a court document. <laughs> you, you, you get this court document and you want to translate it so the judge in Spanish could understand. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a horrible analogy, but. I think, I think <laughs> no, people got it. <laughs> no, I had one. I had one guest. She's a professional translator, and you have to be certified yeah. to to translate legal documents. It's yeah. like a whole yeah structure. Yeah, I, I almost got into that. <laughs> I, I there was a certification course, but then well, I'm too lazy. Yeah, for that. yeah. yeah. Now I got to be up at eight o'clock in the morning wearing a suit, listening to people's murder trial, <laughs> just to translate. Yeah, I'm too. I'm too. I'm too much of a clown. El mato el. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I have too much of a jovial personality to to, yeah. to show up at a courtroom at 8 a.m. and listen to people's you know <laughs> plans on murdering other people. I was like, nah, I don't need to go that route. Do you do you ever feel like your your comedy like flows into your not normal life because your life is comedy? But like, I I've I've had that situation where I'm funny when I'm not supposed to be fun. Not funny, but I think I'm funny. Right. Like I say a joke when it's not. Sh I shouldn't have said a joke. Do, right. you, do you ever like have to turn off or on like yeah there's 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 certain times where you're just like just shut up just yeah. shut up right now um at meetings but most of the time that it happens already after you put your foot in your mouth i, I know for me maybe i'm i'm not as seasoned as you but no i i have <laughs> to do a lot of thinking there's a lot of filtering there's mm -hmm. a lot of filtering because thoughts will they'll just form and they'll fly right to the mouth and then a lot of times i just kind of have to like there's a big filter right there uh, um you know how many Facebook posts I've started and deleted? <laughs> Sometimes you go, you're, you're if, if you think I post a lot, just know that the filter is on. <laughs> the filter saves a lot of people from hating me. Coming next year, the unfiltered Facebook post by when, Oscar. Dude, Curry. when I die and people go into my account, they're going to be like, this dude was a wacko. Because <laughs> there's a lot of, I do post some of them, but I put the private and you don't tag anybody. So uh, only you see them. Yeah. By you meaning the person who posts on me. Yeah. So if, if if I ever leave this earth and somebody goes into my Facebook account and just starts going back and they'll see some things that yeah. the work, obviously the Facebook officials will yeah. know. But if the Russians are listening, you know, here's the, the Russians next leak. are pr the, the Russians <laughs> have already read my statuses and they don't think they're funny because Russians don't have a sense of humor. Yeah. So um, let let's uh thank you so much for this, but let's do a little lightning round. You know. Okay. okay. What what are so we talked a lot about you moving to new places. That when you were seven, you moved to from Columbia to Miami or Plantation. Right. And then when you after college or during college, you moved to New York for a six six month internship. Yep. And then a few years after that to New York. What would you say are three things people need to remember to make it in a new environment, a new place? Like tokens of advice or. Um, three things when people move to a new place, explore the hell out of it as much as you can, because you can be there for the rest of your life or you can move back in a month. And I'm all, I'm all about storytelling, you know, obviously that's what I love to do, but you want experiences. So if you're like, Hey, I lived in, and we encounter this a lot, you know, people who travel for work, you know, my brother's one of them. Mm-hmm. Hey, I went to Switzerland. Awesome. What'd you do? Nothing. I worked the whole time. That's like you had this opportunity. Well, I get it. It's busy, but if that's a work scenario. But if you're moving somewhere, explore everything. Go out. You, it, you don't have to spend money. You just mm -hmm. go out, you know, go to a park, go to a museum. So just explore it as much as you can, because then you'll be able to, you'll be able to come back or, or move somewhere else and be like, oh, when I lived in Minneapolis, these were the three things that I remember, and it was awesome. And if you don't get out and explore, then uh, then no, you have to have patience, you know, um, because not everything happens overnight. You know, my buddy Adrian ran out of patience, and he left immediately. Um, I've been in some situations where I'm, I was kind of running impatient, but you know, I kind of waited out, and then something else happened. And much later on in life, I was able to be like, oh, okay, I waited it out, and then that happened, so. You know, it all worked out. Um, and take pictures or write a journal. Okay. Because 
because you can look back at those things all the time and and if you take a picture or write a journal you can teleport back to that day and think about it you know and it'll be clear in your mind gotcha. do i do those no <laughs> uh <laughs> i do take a lot of pictures and i do journal sometimes i mm. wish i journaled every day but it's it's kind of hard is it through your private comments on facebook you journal <laughs> i do yeah exactly yeah yeah there's a lot of private stuff on there that i've journaled i also email myself a lot oh cool yeah uh, the last question would be is um what's one piece of advice that was given to you that you you like your mantra that you repeat to yourself every day or when you're going through a hard time oh man i don't know i think about a lot of things the first one that came to mind is we're all gonna die <laughs> that's true <laughs> so um or no one's gonna care about this in 10 years okay right um you can string those two together and we're all going to die. Nobody's going to care about this. <laughs> yeah, no one's going to care. You know, I know everything builds, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're confronted with a situation and if I think fast forward, like in 10 years, nothing. But you never know how that one decision could lead to another decision and another and another and another. So in 10 years, you could be somewhere else or somewhere different. Mm -hmm. So but I always think about that to not obsess over a decision i'm like who's gonna that was how i got through college i was like i don't i, I don't feel good with these answers and i was like no one's gonna give a crap about this in mm. 10 years you're gonna be where you are in 10 years regardless so that's how i turned in my tests i'm like i'm not gonna go over these questions again because mm -hmm. how many times am i gonna change my answer um no i think that's good advice and and you know you just kind of have to worry about the present people need to be more present in their day-to-day -day than to forecast ahead or worry about the past you know and yeah i think i think with creatives especially people get caught up in thinking about the future mm -hmm. you know i have this idea but i'm not acting on the idea because of this that this that this that and the other thing that's something that's like 10 years away and it's like how about you act on now you know mm -hmm. i i had a girlfriend who who wanted to do a project but then I was like, well, why don't you just get it going? Oh, no, because of this, that, this, that, this, and that, and the other thing. And I was like, all those things are so far away. Why don't you just do step one, which mm. is this? No, but this, that, this, that, this, that, and the other thing, which, again, I was like, that's so far away. Why don't you just do step one? And I was never able to get her to just do step one because oh. she was too worried about the future. Yeah. So she was the one that obsesses about having the right answer. Oh. You can never move <coughs> forward if you don't get past that first little hump. And if you're stuck on that first hump, you're going to get stuck at every hump along the way because it, it ain't smooth. No. You know, I do a lot of decision making on a whim. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. Yeah. Sometimes when I'm faced with a hard decision, I, I go out and grab a beer and I'm like, OK, when I finish, by the time I finish this beer, I need to make a decision. And it just kind of gives you like a little hourglass. You yeah. have a beer. My, if it's a strong beer, it might influence you. But <laughs> sometimes it kind of helps I, you put it in perspective. Yeah. No, I got uh, I got an email from an airline, uh, one of those airline deals. Mm -hmm. uh, Paris, fl uh, round trip airfare, four nights, four days, three nights for 500 bucks. But it was me and my then girlfriend. So that's a thousand. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, a thousand dollars. But man, this deal is sick. We thought about it. We thought about it. We were looking at the answer. We thought about it. My cousin comes over. We tell her about it. She's more on the whim than I am. So she's like, hey, let's do some shots of tequila. And I was like, ah, it's like day drinking, but sure, whatever. Three shots in. Boy, I hit purchase with no problem. <laughs> and it was the best trip I've ever taken. Yeah. Well, one of the best trips I've ever taken. We went, we went to we went to Paris and had an amazing time. And it had had it not been for my cousin coming over and being like, you need to loosen up a little bit, mm -hmm. make a decision. And if it's tequila, that's going to make you help make that decision here. Take some tequila. decision lubrication. Kind of yeah. just like let it glide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, well, that's awesome. Drink more people. When drink you have more. a decision, just drink. <laughs> This podcast is hosted by beer and tequila. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by alcoholism. Oh <laughs> uh, well, well, thank you so much, Oscar. And how can people find you if you want to do any shout outs? If uh, yeah, uh, my my website. If you go to funnyoscar.com, funnyoscar.com, that's gonna redirect you to uh, Oscar Colazos for the Americans and Oscar Collazos for the uh, for for the people who speak Spanish. Um, I'm, I'm very uh, active on Facebook and Instagram. Um, 
and uh, Colombian Comic. It's at Colombian Comic. C O L O M B I A N C O M I C. Colombian Comic on Instagram. Um, I do have Twitter. It's it's something mm. that I don't use too much. Every once in a while. And then the the tour with the your the Colombian comics. You have a few more shows coming up, right? We have a couple of. We have Montreal on um, November 9th. Okay. We're working on a date in DC. Uh, we're gonna head back to South Florida, and we're, we we you know that's still kind of in the plans, uh, in the working stages. So we're definitely gonna do Miami. We're gonna add Fort Lauderdale, and we're gonna do West Palm. If we're able to do them back to back to back, amazing. If we have to come back and forth a couple times, then we'll come back and forth a couple times. But that Instagram is at Colombian Comedy. Okay, I'll, I'll nice and easy. Colombian Comedy is the Colombian account, and Colombian Comic is my account, which on both I will post when our next shows. Awesome. Yeah, and I'll reference in, in the, the show notes. But, yeah, for sure. But thank you again, Oscar. No problem, man. Anytime. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. <laughs>